episode, I have a conversation with Ness Wilson of Open Heaven Church and also leader of Pioneer UK. We talk about a lot of things between church planning, women in leadership, and just working with other churches in the community. It's a great conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. So sit back, enjoy the watch or the listen, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, Ness, thanks for joining me again. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Yeah. now, we've had a conversation before, and you've been leading Open Heaven Church in one form of leadership since 93. Yeah. You were one of the founding, yeah. uh, I guess, people of Open Heaven Church. Yeah. Um, can you, you tell us a little bit, just a little bit about that? About the journey of how it yes. started? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um well, it started really when I turned up to university in 1990 and all the second and third year Christians in my hall of residence had been praying specifically for 10 fired up freshers. Ten of us turned up. We had done missions in the summer. We're keen to be used by God. And um, we just prayed. We just we just prayed every which way we knew how. And um I remember getting up at ridiculous times in the middle of the night to go around and lay hands on everyone's doors and and we prayed up and down. It was 21 story tower block, prayed up and down in the lifts and and something happened and something beautiful happened and um, there was a move of God in that hall of residence. So week five, a friend came into my room and said, Ness, how do I become a Christian? Uh, so kind of fumbled my way through that and led her to Jesus. And then and and then week 10, two more friends came into my room and said, Ness, how do I become a Christian? And that was happening all over the hall. So the number of Christians trebled in 10 weeks. And there was healings, some quite remarkable um, healings. One guy who was, uh, the, uh, who was a rugby player and sports sec and had this big eye injury. Um, and we prayed and all the swelling completely disappeared. All the discoloration disappeared and, you know, news, news got out. And so at the end of that term, we'd had this 10 weeks of like, wow, God just really breaking out in our hall. And then at the end of the term, we went on a Christian union weekend away and the speaker, a guy called Roger Ellis, um, had just been to a conference and somebody had prophesied and said to him, you're about to meet a group of young people and they're going to plant a church for young people and it will be in the Midlands. And that's where we were in the Midlands. We were young people at the time. And we really found ourselves um, just, I think, hearts just leaping at the thought that God might be doing something with us that was beyond that moment. And so we began to scheme and dream and and uh, whisper the word church planting and what could that mean and we got connected to pioneer at that point so even before we planted um and um yeah and just began to i guess just think a little bit outside the box what could a church look like that was particularly relevant to our generation and to our friends and so then when we graduated in the summer of 93. A bunch of us rented a house at a very big lounge and and we started church like that. Very organic, very raw. 
we started with breakfast together and then just sh just shared what God was doing in our lives, worshipped in a, in a very organic way. And um, yeah, it was a, a humble start um, and God was very kind to us. And it's been a, it's been a privilege. I wouldn't have wanted to have done anything else with my life. Have you, um, you know, starting so organically, have you really noticed the the markers throughout the times and throughout the years? You know, like Joshua set up those markers to remind the children of Israel where they'd come from and when they crossed the Jordan. Have you noticed those markers and have those been kind of like bookmarks in the history of the church and, and really kind of set the foundation of where we're going to go from this point on and then just we haven't moved backwards at all? Yeah, I think so. We, um, I think, you know, in those early years, we were very aware, I think, of what we were sowing into the DNA of the church is what we would reproduce in the years to come. So uh, we had a mantra in those early years, openness, honesty and accountability, a really strong emphasis on discipleship, um, you know, really wanting to give permission to speak into each other's lives. Um, and that that has meant we've created a discipleship culture that has lasted even now, nearly 30 years in, where it's normal practice for one-to-one -one discipleship to be happening within our church community. I think we just, um, you know, there were different markers along the way. The first few years are obviously the sort of establishing, you're in the church planting phase, and then we got to a point probably about four or five years in of realizing, no, we're not just a church plant anymore. We, we've actually, we are a church and, um, you know, this thing is going to last. Um, and we knew that we had um, within us, we knew there was a call to, to also reproduce and to, so to send church plants out. So about, I think it was maybe about 15 years in, we sent our first cross-cultural church planting team out. We planted kind of more locally, so we ended up in two expressions of Open Heaven within Loughborough, but we also knew there was something in us about church planting uh, further afield. So a team was formed to, um, to go to France, which we knew was a tough place to plant a church, um, but we went to a university town called Annecy, um, and planted and there's a, a vibrant church there now and then five years ago we sent a team to Anglesey North Wales um, and again there's a vibrant church there I was just there this last weekend um, and interestingly both those churches are bilingual so they've done a really good job of honoring the culture they've gone into and that whole thing I think we've said to both the teams you know like we had as Open Heaven in the early days a blank page like mm -hmm. create an expression of church that's going to really fit for the context that God's put you in, make it mission shaped. And so both of those church plants are doing that. Um, and then another marker along the way, it was 10 years ago. So we'd been pretty nomadic and had kind of rented every space in the town. You know, we, so yeah. we were in a lounge and then we went to the cheapest place in the town, which was an old scout hut. And then we went to a primary school hall and then secondary school halls uh, and then an art college the university we've kind of been all over but about um well 10 years ago um we 
the story really was um, when I when Rich and I first got married, we lived opposite an old Anglican church, Church of England. And it saddened me that there was a little dwindling congregation in what was called the side chapel. And there was this huge, great big building. And it was in the sort of student area of the town. And I used to walk past it every day and I just would pray God bring this building back to life bring this building back to life honestly thinking I was praying for renewal in the Anglican church anyway that didn't happen and the church then closed the official terminology here is the church was made redundant but because of the unity movement in the town I I was um, privileged to be part of um, something very beautiful amongst the leaders where we began to talk about there's one church of Loughborough with multiple expressions and the leader of the um, of the Anglican sort of the diocese made a brilliant decision not to sell the land and the building commercially but to offer it to the rest of the of the churches in the town and ourselves and the Elam congregation who actually we'd been using the Elam building for everything midweek and I had a really good friendship with the Elam leader. We just began to think, what would it look like if we could do a building share, kind of to, to put our money in together because we knew it was going to be an expensive project. Is it possible for two churches to share a building and so so that it would be full of activity, you know, all day, every day? We knew it was risky. We had some people warn us against it, you know, that's too risky. Don't get involved. Don't put your money into the same building. But we just... I think I've always wanted to operate. If I've got a choice between cynicism or naivety, I'd always rather go for naivety. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so we just, we said to the, our church, we've been this nomadic people for 20 years, but perhaps it's time to actually really invest and yeah. kind of put some markers in the ground. And so, and I loved the idea that we were going to do that in a kingdom partnership so that there was no way in which the, building was going to cause us to settle because the way we were doing it was quite radical it was about it's a kingdom resource in kingdom hands and it's not going to in one sense we're not owning it because it's shared um so we did and 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 it was a a huge faith journey i mean we'd never had to raise that kind of money and i remember um you know it ended up being 1.7 million pounds to 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 refurb this building we had to put two floors in and but in the first few weeks of our fundraising campaign, um, we had a couple come and say to me and Rich, can we just come for a cup of tea? And I was like, yeah, great. The, the wife was someone who'd become a Christian at Open Heaven. I discipled her a little bit and she had mm-hmm. um, got married and gone to London. We didn't know the husband. They came into our lounge. We gave them a cup of tea, very British thing to do. And they just said, we believe that God's asked us to give you a hundred thousand pounds. We were like, oh my gosh, I'd never, that kind of thing had never happened to us before. And that was a real faith yeah. booster in terms of like, wow, God, you're in this, you know, cause we had to win mm-hmm. some philosophical arguments really with our church community, even about owning a building. Cause we had been this sort of pretty yeah. fluid, um, but it's been a real blessing. And so that, so actually this year we're both 30 years old as a church and also 10 years since we moved into the building that we still call St. Peter's because it's just sort of honoring the name of the yeah. past, but it's just, yeah. it's really good. So it's two congregations, um, two churches, you know, and, um, the Elim church are absolutely fantastic and they do loads of stuff that we don't do. And we do loads of stuff that they don't do. So, yeah. That's, that's very cool to be able to share a space like that and, you know, different 
denomination or different, you know, uh, doctrine beliefs, but be able to, to have that unity to be able to say we can take care of our congregation, but we can also take care of our community from the same yeah. spot yeah. and not step on each other's toes or, yeah. you know, getting in each other's way just to work together. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's the whole part of acts. As we look, they were selling their belongings and yeah. just, you know, they're doing what they needed to do to take care of it. And you're reclaiming something that was going to be lost. You're going yeah, to reclaim well, something that was going to be torn down, maybe. Exactly, exactly. And and I always felt a bit grieved because this particular uh, leader of this particular Anglican church had, um, from my perspective, kind of gone kind of way off track and was allowing, like, Druid ceremonies in the building. And wow. Really, I mean, honestly. So there was a part of me as well that almost felt like I felt um, – kind of indignant that a building yeah. that the saints before us had sacrificed initially it was a mission hut and then it become a church building and I just felt like this was made to be a place of worship and preaching the gospel of Jesus and, I, yeah. and so there was something in me almost felt like I want to take this back. I want to push back. Yeah, you're redeeming it. Yeah, I want to redeem it. That's exactly right. That's yeah. what I felt. We want to redeem this land and redeem this building. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I, I know where you're coming from. We've been, I think it's, I think it's 10 years today that we started our church. And, um, well, not today. No, we've got a couple months. Sorry, I'm, I've lost track. But um, we know what it's like to be nomadic. You know, yeah. we're, we were in the library meeting room and then we uh, went to the school. And then during COVID, they shut the school down. So we're in a secondary, you know, hall, which could barely fit 35 people comfortably. But we were scram cramming, you know, 60 <laughs> people in there and, you know, two, just a foot section of row so they could squeeze in there. But, yeah, it's. There's something when God solidifies something and, you know, puts it, that puts that, uh, that foot down where you, you put the foundation down and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, we have a place to rest now. And it's, yeah. I think it's the same way with the children of Israel, they wandered and wandered and finally come into a place of, of promise where they can be fruitful. They can uh, multiply and they can, you know, subdue the land and take what God has, has called them yeah. to take. So. Yeah. That's just an awesome story. I really love that. It's it's just so cool to see, you know, from wandering to a, a place where you can share it with two uh, with another church completely. And that's yeah. that's an awesome thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, Ness, uh, can we're going to talk about Pioneer just a little bit? Um, yeah. Can you kind of give us uh, a little bit of your history with Pioneer? I know uh, Open Heaven started really qu quickly with Pioneer mm -hmm. in '93, yeah. which was, yeah. you know, they were about what 10 years, 12 years old yeah. at the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so we um, we joined Pioneer, and and to be honest, it was so exciting and refreshing. Um, I'd never seen anything quite like it, but I loved it. It was, it was, I mean, radical can be an overused word, um, but it was so creative. It was so prophetic. Um, there were things that, how people were living out their discipleship of Jesus was quite incredible. I remember going to visit the home of, of Steve Clifford, who um, has ended up being our oversight, our apostolic oversight for all those years. 
and going to his home and and realizing he lived in like a community household so it was him his wife his kids but then other people and the, the way that they weren't it wasn't just like lodgers these were people they were eating together sharing life together and that that showed me a, a model of household that rich and i then adopted and we've had about 25 different people who've lived with us over the years and all of that is it's all part of discipleship you know where we are um yeah sharing life together and and i saw women like i've never seen women operating in just they were so obviously um content to be a woman there was no sense of trying to be men but so obviously content to be leaders and Mm. women operating every level of leadership it was like you know, female church planters, female apostles, um, really inspirational. So I loved that. And I think it just opened up my eyes as to, wow, this is, this is a network that's full of life. It's full of, um, it, 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 it was kind of like Gerald used to talk about um, non-religious Christianity and he hated anything that would kind of put people in a box or, um, you know, there'd just be kind of empty ritual without that living, vibrant, spirit-filled relationship with Jesus. Um, And at times he was quite controversial and he did upset some people in those early days. Um, But we kind of lived in the good of it, really, of, of, yeah, yeah, just, it was so, it was, there was such freedom, um, but, and it felt really, really spirit-led. So I loved it. I just felt like I'd come to just an oasis of some clear, water that i was just lapping up it was it, yeah really wonderful yeah. and i and i think what you said you know gerald pushed some buttons on people and, yeah, and I, I, I think any move of god will offend people yeah people I who agree. have a religious mindset people who yeah. are, are are used to you know oh that's these new songs this new style of church <laughs> i heard someone say you know they're like oh this new stuff he goes well the songs you sing were new once too so we have to be, we have to be open to, to change. The hymns were once, you know, Wesley's hymns and, and yeah. were once, you know, brand new songs and people probably rejected them. And now, you know, people yeah. reject in modern worship and say, well, it's not the hymns, but it was still yeah. new. And so I think, yeah. I think Pioneer, because it is so creative, yeah. um, you look at that, you know, I just saw a post today about the, um, the nature you know, helping um, preserve nature and helping restore what God has created. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's those boundaries that sometimes it's those things that push the boundaries that sometimes yeah. people don't understand and they become yeah. indignant to it or just afraid of it. But I think yeah. those move of God's need to happen and eventually they will become accepted. It's just, it's not the status quo at that time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it attracted lots of kind of creatives, musicians. So, you know delirious came out of a pioneer church and um yeah no richards and you know different it was there was yeah just a, a lot of life and i learned so much i learned so much about about effective evangelism about about prayer about spiritual warfare i just felt like i was a sponge absorbing it all mm-hmm. um yeah so really appreciative to have, to have just la- and little did I know at the time it was probably one of the only new church networks that actually was promoting women in leadership. So I kind of stumbled into something that, as you know, a, a single female church planter, I wouldn't have been given the 
the backing and the space in in other networks yeah. um yeah. that but it's only looking back i i, I recognize that yeah no, I, I think you're right. Stumbled upon it. And that's uh, kind of the same way we did too. We kind of stumbled upon yeah. it and it was like, yeah. my word, this is, this is refreshing. You know, this is something yeah. that, you know, I think when you find where, what God has called you to be part of it, it's just, it's like an oasis and it's like, yeah, wow, I couldn't believe this is here. And why did I not find this sooner if I'm, you know, walking around for so long that I didn't see it. But yeah. So, you know, you started out as a college student in a pioneer church or, you know, yeah. your church was part of a pioneer yeah. move. Um, so as your church grew and now you being the the leader of Pioneer Midlands, where did your leadership role in Pioneer start? Um, um, well, I, I, I found myself pretty early on Gerald asking me to go on to the national leadership team which baffled me but I always have had a kind of a principle I think of um anytime something slightly scares you say yes to it <laughs> I just <laughs> I just knew I knew that if I kind of was able to embrace the fear and do it anyway I knew that I, I, I would grow. You know, I've had yeah. an appetite to be a kind of a lifelong learner. So I knew even though I was well out of my comfort zone and, um, you know, it was pretty intimidating. Yeah, so, um, so Gerald asked me fairly early on to be on the team. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I think I just, I felt so privileged to sit amongst these heroes of the faith, these men and women of great stature. And, um, yeah, it was a real privilege. And, um, and then, um, so even though I planted as a single woman, I then did end up getting married uh, to Rich Wilson, who heads up fusion. And, um, and so then when it was, our first child coming along. I then um, came off the team and just knew I wanted to just go back to being uh, kind of more local. It was kind of plenty enough, really, to uh, to raise a growing family and yeah. to be leading a local church. So I had a season, really, of, of much more local focused and trusting God in that. There's something, I think, often for women in leadership where our, our leadership journey often runs in seasons. And it's quite a deep exercise in trust. Often, if you know that there's a gifting in you and something of a calling, which is actually perhaps wider and broader, you just know there's something in you where you're going to be able to serve and strengthen wider than your own local church. But for different seasons, you have to just kind of like stay put. So, um, yeah, so I did that. And then, you know, as then our youngest um, started school, then felt kind of more able to to give of myself wider again. Um, so went back onto the team. Um, so was on Billy's team, and then um, we started to talk a bit about regions. And I took on Pioneer Midlands, and that was that was really good. That was a good stretch. That was just you know beginning to gather leaders together, have leaders days, begin to to work into other churches. 
um, and then it was 2019 as the shape of Pioneer was changing and, uh, you know, opportunities were opening up for Billy and, and uh, like yourselves, churches kind of from other nations were getting connected in. So then Billy stepped up into international leader and I stepped up into the UK leader. And, and very similar to the, the that going right back to when I, when uh, Steve Clifford said to me, you need to be the team leader of Open Heaven, all the way through to every opportunity. I had that mix of feeling both, um, wow, a kind of a little bit uh, daunted by the task and yet at the same time feeling absolutely called to do it. And that somehow God would equip me as I as I stepped up which That's really cool. I think he's doing. <laughs> well, you know what? I, you know, I, it's going from, you know, a, a, a regional leader to see overseeing the UK is, is a lot of churches, a lot of responsibility, a lot of other leaders that are, you know, checking in with you, reporting to you. So, I mean, I, if I, I don't think God is going to bring you into a position and not give you the equipping and and leave you ill-prepared to do that. There's going to be times where we lean into him for that wisdom and lean into him for the guidance, but I think he's never just going to, I'll just throw him in there for the the fun of it to see how they flounder or whatever. So I think think God's going to give you the equipping and the the wisdom you need during that time to, to, to tap into what he's called you to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's good. So one of the things that pioneers, you know, kind of distinctive is promoting women in leadership. Um, yeah. You know, in, in, in my life, my wife is a, is a very strong leader. She's yeah. always led a lot of areas. Like in our life, it, the church is split down the middle for, you know, I help lead, you know, the, the worship area, the tech, the, you know, all of the social media stuff where she's leading the, 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 um, the children's and the youth and the, you know, and the prophetic. So we, we, we share those responsibilities, yeah. but um, as a woman leader, that's unheard of. Right. So, you know, in your, your life, how has your response been to, or from people, excuse me, from when you say, Oh yeah, I lead a church. What, what has been their normal response in, in the beginning? Oh, I mean, in the beginning, it it was hard um, because I didn't fit any of the stereotypes. Mm. Um, so I remember the very first I when we planted, I thought it was really important to build a relationship up with the other leaders in the town. So one of the first things I did was invite different ones uh, to come to dinner, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, everything is based on relationship and trust. Um, and that was a really good move and something I recommend to other church planters. Um, and so I got to know the person who was the chair of the then sort of what was called the Minister's Fellowship. And um, and he kindly invited me along to go to the next one. But unfortunately, the one that I went to, he was away and he had forgotten to pass on to the others that I was coming. So when I arrived, it was in a church building. There was a circle of chairs at the end of the hall. And they were all men. And as I walked through the door and started to head towards this circle of chairs, the uh, the oldest man in the group got up and came towards me and said, I'm sorry, this is a minister's fellowship. And I said, I know I've actually been invited to come to this uh, by the chair. But, you know, he's obviously away today. And he said, no, no, I'm sorry, my dear. You misunderstand me. This is a meeting for your minister. And I think, I know I am actually here as 
you know, we don't use the term minister, but, but church yeah. leader. And we went backwards yeah. and forwards, backwards and forwards. And as graciously as I could, I, I said, I really don't want to leave because if I leave, it's going to be really hard to come back again. And it's really important to me that we are connected to the, to what God is doing across the church in the town yeah. and not isolated. Anyway, he let me stay, but unbelievably, everyone's Bibles were open and, and you couldn't write it. The topic of conversation was the Jezebel spirit. So I just, I just didn't know what to say. And so I kept quiet for, for most of that. But then at the very end, what was actually really interesting was one of the youngest of the leaders, um, right at the end came up to me and, and uh, said, I'm just, I'm really sorry for, you know, how you were treated at the start. And, um, I really hope you come back again. And anyway, I did. And, and I, one of the things I felt God say to me right back in those early days was what's really important in this particular season is to keep my heart soft and yeah. I needed a I needed a, I actually felt like I needed a supernatural uh, reservoir of grace um, in those early days because you know I I I had one person in a meeting say they were embarrassed because they were um, in a meeting where a woman was present amongst the leadership I would get letters, you know, dear, dear, um, you know, to, to Ness and your wife, you know, I had all kinds of like, just people, it was outside the box. Um, yeah. but I felt like it was important to not get, not to harden my heart, but to kind of understand, you know, yeah. where people were coming from. But then it all just kind of, time goes on, doesn't it? And, and I think if you, if you just plug away, and people actually see the anointing of God on your life. They see health. They see growth. They see life. Um, eventually, what ended up happening was I ended up becoming the chair of that minister's fellowship of that 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 townwide unity group, um, and um, did that for six years. And that was that was great. Um, and by then, it, uh, things had changed. And of course, by then, I wasn't the only woman. So now in the UK, certainly, like in in the town of Loughborough, fifty percent of church leaders would be women. Um, oh, okay. So it's a very it's a very different picture to how it used to be in in the uh, the early nineties. So I mean, still I guess I'm still in different settings where the majority would be men. Um, but I think when you've kind of plugged away for thirty years and there's a track record, um, it, it 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 will oftentimes kind of make a way for. It does create space for people to, yeah. you know, take you seriously. But Rich and I have had to do a kind of an interesting dance at times because, um, so I've always been the, the, the sort of the team leader and there's been times he's, he's been on the leadership team, times he's been off the leadership team. Now he's got a ministry called Fusion and I have sometimes served at Fusion conferences and different things. But sometimes if we go into a setting and people don't know us and they will talk to Rich about, the church and he steps back and said no 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 my wife leads the church and then sometimes people yeah. come up to me and talk to me about fusion I say no 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 my husband leads fusion so we've just learned to have to do that over the years really yeah yeah I, I, I see that a lot in the U.S. it's 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 quite different here women leadership is few and far between um like I I only know of one other uh, church in our state that it really does have a, a woman as a, an apostolic leader of the church. And my wife has, has made contact with her, but I think um, for years it was, uh, you know, they tried to use scripture to beat it, beat up people for believing that way. But I, I've, I've watched and, you know, my wife handles it with grace. She went to a, um, 
a pro-life pastors, leaders kind of meeting where they were giving more information out. And, and um, they, they had called and said, hey, can we talk to the pastor? And I was like, like um, and they said, Pastor Matt. She's like, nobody calls me that. So she's like, she knew it was either somebody selling something or somebody who wanted something. And she's <laughs> like, how can I help you? Well, I need to talk to a pastor or just one of the church leaders. She's like, I am. But will your and she goes, I'll be coming to this event. But will your husband be coming to this event? She's like, No, he works outside of the home. He works a full time job. He will not be coming. And then, but will your husband be coming? It's like it was just they couldn't wrap their head around. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, this woman leads in yeah. in so many ways. And, and but she went there and she saw some people she knew and she just you know she sat down. So and some people were accepting of her. Some people weren't. But I said to her, I said, I'm going to keep sending you to these things because mm -hmm. you're available to go to them. But also yeah. I want them to see that you can lead just as well as anybody else. Yeah. Just because you are a, a different gender doesn't yeah. mean that you can't lead. And I said, this is, we're going to have to change the mindset of the people around us. And our yeah. churches changed. Our churches, you know, when my wife got attacked, you know, like, oh, she's a woman leader, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, it's time to stand up for her. And people yeah. stood up for her and said, hey, this is just because yeah. she's a woman doesn't change a calling in God that God has placed yeah. on her. Yeah, that's and right. And so it, there, there is a cultural shift that I think is starting to happen um, that the UK did 20 years ago, yeah. or, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. And I think yeah. it's starting, it started to happen five or six years ago here, 10 years ago, maybe. But I think yeah. we've got strides to, to go before we, we see the, the expression of, you know, man and woman, as leaders in a church and not be afraid to go, well, where's the pastor's wife? Yeah. Where's, you know, and in our, in our country, it's, they have the pastor and then the pastor's wife, it's pastor okay. this and his wife, you know, so okay. it's a very common thing. And, and so breaking through barriers as you did, it's, it's probably not easy. Sometimes some of the, the, the harsh comments and the negative yeah. things he gets said, yeah. but, yeah. but how did, how did you deal with some of that? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's the basic stuff, really, of forgiveness. I think I was, you know, hurt by some things that were said um, and, um, and just I had to just come back again and again of, of God, I, you know, I need to be able to forgive some, some of these things that were unthinking, were clumsy, um, and but also I really I remember walking to different meetings and actually saying, Father, I need to hear your voice louder in my head than the voice of some of these others that I'm going to be sitting in a meeting with. And actually, um, as I walked to meetings, I specifically was asking that, you know, that sense of the father's calling over my life into leadership, which I absolutely knew. I knew from when I was 15 years old. Um, and it really helped me kind of just allowing that again, just the father's voice to be the loudest, strongest voice affirming my calling. And um, yeah, so it kind of uh, that that was a little discipline. And then when I would get back, sometimes with some of my friends, you know, some of my local team, I'd say just I used to have a phrase, just dust me down because I've been in an environment where it's been pretty kind of, you know, unfriendly. Um, and so yeah. I just, just dust me down. And so I'd get my, I'd get my teammates just to pray for me. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, I think 
what would you what would your words of wisdom to be to women in leadership that are just starting out, um, whether it's a leading a ministry, a youth group, you know, children's area, whatever it is that started out as a, in a church, what, whatever they're doing, what would, what would your advice be to them? I think I, I would say um, that certainly I, for me, that there was something about recognizing the best way I can glorify God is to step up and be the fullest version of the anointed and called leader that he wants me to be nobody Mm. wins if i diminish myself and i hold back i don't find my voice you know i i i I come under intimidation that doesn't help anyone doesn't help me it doesn't help the people that i'm serving and so in order actually to be the best gift that i can be to really serve people well I need to step up, you know, get over my internal barriers and battles and and step up because that glorifies God and it serves the church well. Um, so that, that kind of helped me. And then that whole thing, I mean, again, in the early days, I, I read a quote from a female theologian that said, it's not about gaining equal rights. It's about gaining equal rights to serve. And that really settled something in me because I thought, this, you know, I... All I'm asking is that I'm able to lay my life down and give of my time, effort, energy for others in the same way that my male counterparts are able to do. Um, And so understanding the whole thing about authority, authority is never to lord it over others. It's always authority to serve. That really helped me step into my God-given authority, you know, as a woman. Um, So... Yeah, they were some of the things that I I learned. And I, and I think now just recognizing every time a woman steps up, she's creating then space for others behind her to, to, to step up. Um, yeah. And so that motivates me as well, you know, because I think we yeah. all become who the most important people in our lives think we can become. And it's often said that if somebody, you know, in authority sees leadership in you before 18 and says you are a leader, you're called and anointed by God to be a leader, then that's that's often when you see a pipeline of younger leaders. So I think it's actually really important for for women who are a bit further on in their life journey as we step up, as we create space, we create the role models. And so I'm passionate about um, you know, certainly looking at younger women behind me and when I see leadership potential, speaking it over them. Um, yeah. And creating that space for them. That's really good. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. I, I like what you said. Just you see that in them at a young age and then calling it out in them and imparting things to them and in discipling yeah. them and things like that. And yeah. um, now I know Pioneer has um, a lot of women in leadership and women apostolic leaders um what are some of the the different opportunities that uh churches and leaders and pioneer have for different training especially for women i know they have their annual uh women's conference but they also have uh, is am i correct is a women's leadership conference also is that correct yeah yeah so every year we have a, a women leaders conference so um we had that just a few weeks ago um had 150 women which was really good um so you know women leading in church 
we had a speaker called Henrietta Blythe, who's the CEO of Open Doors, so um, working into the persecuted church. So she, my goodness, had stories of bravery and courage of, of you know, women who were not compromising, were not denouncing their faith in Jesus and paying a high price for that. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we again, you know, we had female worship leaders uh, that were leading us in worship. Um, you know, women speaking, hosting, we, you know, it was, it was a really powerful time, um, where women were equipped and empowered, um, to, yeah, to, 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 to keep growing, keep, keep growing in their gift. And then we also have women leaders learning communities. So there's a, um, smaller groups, kind of six to eight women, um, who, gather together um often senior leaders kind of gathering together nowadays sometimes on zoom sometimes in person um and we we took we've got a model we call it partners in adversity and that whole thing of when we come together actually talking about the thing that is causing us the greatest challenge and it's got to be kind of leadership related and something that we're able to do something about but we present that to each other and then we kind of um, we hear the wisdom in the room um, and process it and be able to then pray and prophesy over each other. Um, so that works really well. Yeah, and then good. just a lot of mentoring, um, you know, so, you know, really encouraging younger women uh, to, you know, to, to find the mentors around them, which we can yeah. do now because now there's, there's, there's enough women. I, again, back <laughs> in the early days, I remember, where's the yeah. mentors, you know, where's the mothers? And, and I remember just, I just remember Father God saying to me, you're just going to have to be it, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. <laughs> where are the no. mothers? And like, God was like, you've got to be the mother. Yeah. No, that's yeah. the, that's what my wife and I were talking about uh, a couple months ago. We're like, man, we were so young and we we're like, you know, 24, 25 running our own ministry and, you know, yeah. 50 kids sitting in our garage yeah. uh, on a on a weekly basis. And we're like, we needed mothers and fathers. And we're like, where are we going to find mothers and fathers? And we, years and people like oh you know just talk to this other church leader i'm like no i need somebody who's done this i need somebody yeah. who's who's taught you know this kind of stuff yeah. and you know coming into pioneer we're starting to, to we're starting to get that it, it may not be mothers mm -hmm. and fathers per se but it's mm -hmm. apostolic leaders it's brothers and yeah. sisters that have done yeah. it in, yeah. in greater ways and for us to be able to glean from that yeah. um so I, I I can completely understand. It's like we're mm -hmm. like, where are the mothers and fathers? We need them, and you know, it's, <laughs> and God just said, you have to do it. You're gonna have. That's yeah. what a pioneer does. Is you yeah. have to to make that pathway for people to to come into what you wanted. You have to create that for them. So yeah, that's right. I think that's I think that's key just for um, women in leadership. Uh, again, I'm not a woman, so I can't. I can only express what my wife has expressed to me, but I, you know, I've seen some of the pain in her heart when things have gone mm -hmm. awry and people have attacked her. But I felt like, you know, we could try to defend her. We could try to, to, you know, mm -hmm. say something, but I'm like, you know, what? I think God's going to take care of it. And I think every mm -hmm. argument that's come against her has kind of just blown away like chaff. Yeah. Um, and I've just realized that I, every, we can try to, you know, have, like you, Linda, um, trying to help women leader. But I think us as as men need to talk more about women in leadership 
yeah, on, a, on, a, on a regular yeah. basis. And I think we yeah. need to start to change. Like, yeah. I know there's more things in my heart that I can change towards um, promoting my wife into leadership. I know there's things that I probably need to, to get rid of because of, you know, cultural things. But I think as men, we should start to promote women yeah. into the roles that we see are open. But it's always been a in our culture, it's always been the man's the pastor, like I said before, and the, the wife is the is the wife, and and so just yeah. breaking through that mindset of we have to promote these these yeah. women into the leadership position because my wife, there's no way I could lead the prophetic like she leads the prophetic. I'm like, yeah. she's yeah. like telling me things, and I'm like, wow, that, I learned something new. I learned something new every time I talk to her about the prophetic. So it's like, yeah. I it just it blows me away what God. When, especially when you partner together. Yeah. When we partner together, we're yeah. unstoppable yeah. because God is, is using gifts from both sides. And so right. yeah. I just think if we can have more men in leadership promoting and, yeah. and talking about women in leadership and talking about why we need women in leadership, I think it will help yeah. our cause as a church. It will help yeah. the discipleship and, and it will bring up more women leaders. It will get the yeah. young teen girls by the time yeah. they're 19, 20, being able to lead in the church instead of waiting until they're 35, 40, yeah. Yeah. and then going, right. oh, yeah, I guess you do have a gift. Now we can we can do something yeah. with it. So that's right. I just, yeah. I just, that's my heart is I think we'll see Pioneer grow. I think we'll see yeah. the, the culture of women in leadership grow when we start to do that and we start to change yeah. our minds and start to promote it yeah. in a greater way. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think, and that's one of that's I think one of the really refreshing things about Pioneer is, so like Steve Clifford, who's overseen us, he created, he opened doors for me in all kinds of different. I was getting invites to speak at conferences, and I knew it had come from Steve, you know. And then Billy being so releasing, and yeah. you know, and inviting me to step up and, and lead Pioneer UK, and but you're right as well about the husband's role because i think there's what i've seen there's a lot of men who really um verbally will promote yeah we believe in women in leadership but it's a much harder thing to pay the personal cost of being married to a female leader um but that you know like i i feel so privileged to be married to rich even when we got married he wrote a sort of a line in our wedding vows about it's the call of God on my life to release Ness into the full gifting of what God has called her into. And That's so good. what that means is, you know, so, for example, in terms of having children and raising a family, the practical implications of, um, you know, him having um, reduced working hours and having flexible workloads so he can do some of the school runs and different things like that. Or, you know, over the years, I feel like, I've experienced what it is to have someone who who's been able to put, you know, any sense of personal ambition has kind of, you know, laid ego to rest in order to see um, me be released to do different things. Even if it means he's picked up actually quite a lot of some of the household um, chores at different times. But that's a real blessing. And I and I kind of think that's really what it means for for a man to say they they want to promote women in leadership it does mean a personal cost on the home front. Um, yeah. So I think that's wonderful what you're saying. I, I just, 
because I, I, you know, I have two daughters. She's one's 19 and married and the other one's, you know, 16 and getting ready to graduate. And I, I look at, they're firecrackers, you know, they're, they're, they're both very strong, very opinionated in some ways. And I'm like, they were not born this way to be pew sitters and to sit in the, uh, sit behind their husband and to do that. You know, God has given them wisdom. God has given them the ability to lead. I look at my youngest and she just has the influence and she's not willing to, to stop and compromise anything. And I'm like, yeah. that right there is a, is a, a future leader. And it may not be the yeah. church, but it may be mm. a ministry. It might be yeah. the workplace, yeah. but she's powerful and she understands that her identity. And I think we need to start to speak into their identities at a young age yeah, that's of right. who God has called them to be. And that's boys and girls. But mm. when we really look at, if we're going to promote women in leadership, we need to start mm. to have these things at 10 years old, eight years yeah. old. So yeah. they can understand that God has called them instead of waiting till, yeah. you know, they're in a certain age. And I just, and I'm like, I, I pray that my daughters and, you know, they're my daughter's husband and my other daughter's boyfriend, they understand mm-hmm. how powerful they are. And they, right. and they, they are, um, they are compassionate with them and they are promoting yeah. them and they're, and they're yeah. there to walk with them because, you know, I know my my girls are called. They have a the, very much yeah. the same calling my wife has on them in the prophetic. And I'm like, we need to faci- we learn to facilitate that at a young age, yeah. and try to pr- facilitate that so they can lead. Yeah. And it could, you know, and it may not be a, a church. Yeah, they may just be leading their home in the prophetic yeah. and leading yeah. their family in the prophetic, but giving them the opportunity the same as we would because we disciple young boys. In preaching yes. and teaching at, you know, 14, 15 years old, they want to get up and mm-hmm. preach, but we haven't done that for, for girls. Yeah. And I, I don't know in our culture, we haven't, we've always, mm-hmm. we've always looked at the boys and said, okay, you want to preach, you want to teach, but I'm looking, you know, going through my head saying, okay, this is another woman in our church that can yeah. preach. This is another woman who can lead. And yeah. I think when we open our eyes to it and when we have, Sometimes we just have to say, you know, I was wrong and God humbles you about that and say, okay, my Mm -hmm. gosh, I didn't realize this until our eyes were open, the the women leadership. And he starts to reveal the -hmm. strong qualities of women in in your life and say, okay, Mm -hmm. hey, this person has the ability to lead. And there's times Mm -hmm. where I've gone to my wife and said, man, I'm sorry, I didn't realize this because Mm – you were leading in this and I was trying to take it over thinking I'm ha- I have to do this. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm the husband mm-hmm. and I had to just stop and say, okay, God, she's doing a better job than I can. So mm-hmm. why am I trying to take this <laughs> over and try yeah. to do it? But just in that natural husband like way, trying to, to take care of things, I can sometimes push her in a leadership way and not try, not trying to, but, you know, sometimes push her and make her feel like I want, don't want her to lead something or don't want her to be in charge yeah. of something. I'm like, no, I just want to take care of everything. I want to make sure yeah. everything's okay. So it's just, yeah. it's just having a, the mindset and, and trying to be aware of where God is saying as husbands back off a little mm-hmm. bit, let your wife lead this as fathers yeah. teach your daughters to lead, you know? Yeah. So I think we can do so much more um, and yeah. it just, that one-on-one discipleship helps. I know with my wife, yeah. she has a, a pretty um, ongoing conversation with Linda Ward on a, on a 
regular basis. And she's like, I'm just getting ideas and, and God's revealing things to me and just showing mm -hmm. me things. And she's like, now I want to start training other women how to lead. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's, I think it's a, it starts a chain reaction. Yeah, and I see, I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of things happening, just not just in pioneer, but in, in our society that is finally yeah. starting to, to allow women, um, the proper place in their right place alongside yeah. of men and not saying, Oh, well, you're the wife, just step back. It's, yeah. you know, what, what yeah. they had so for so long. So, but yeah, I think what's also really interesting is whenever you see moves of God, you always see women released. So, mm -hmm. you know, the start of the Salvation Army, William and Catherine Booth and William Booth famously said, my, some of my best men are women. Um, or, you know, some of the kind of pen Pentecostal revival, you see it was women who were church planting and, uh, you know, preaching yep. the gospel, operating in, in power of the, uh, the gifts of the spirit. And so there's something that, that always seems to happen when there's moves of God that, um, you know, women are right at the forefront alongside the men. And yeah, uh, yeah that's exciting. Yeah, that's really I, I'm just excited. I'm excited for um what, what God is doing, I think there's going to be um, a greater move uh, of women mm. leadership in this next generation of, yeah. you know, 30, 20 and 30 somethings in the, in the yeah. pioneer network, but yeah. also within some of these revivals that are happening around yeah. in the U S and different areas. And we're just yeah. going to start seeing some, um, the kingdom walked out in the, in the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah, that's right. So it's good. It's exciting. But, yeah. So, Ness, we made it through. <laughs> it took a little <laughs> bit of so time sorry. on this part. I, on I our think parts, it but... might be my computer. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. And and maybe next mm -hmm. time I'll try. We can try Zoom if we have to. Okay. Um, but yeah. 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 So thank you so much for uh, spending the time with me, especially twice in the same day of trying to do this. <laughs> yes, and I know right. your schedule has been busier than you probably need it to be. So. No, Thank you again. Great. I really, and I really, really appreciate really nice. you. Yeah, really nice to chat to you and get to know you better. I've enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, we won't be at the leadership conference this year, but we're going to be try. Well, we're going to try to come next year because my wife's uh, my wife has a, a women's conference that she's doing on Fantastic. the 18th of March. So we're okay. kind of yeah. yeah, a lot of stuff going on. So we, yeah. we didn't want to try to fly across the world and then fly yeah. back and get all no, that prepared. I get so. that. You can't, you can't do so, everything. No, I yeah. get that. So, well, Ness, I will let you go. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. It was good chatting with you. No problem. You take care and God bless. Yeah, you too. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode. If you like this episode, share it with somebody. If you want to find out more about Pioneer or the Pioneer Podcast, you can go to pioneerpodcast.org. It has some of our core values and also links to the Pioneer Network. So, Hope you're blessed by this. We'll see you next time.